This is Hugh Jackson's last chance to be a head coach. Jeremy Musa looks like the truth for FAMU, and there should be absolutely no expectations on Damon Wilson and Morgan State. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives now hugh jackson is going into his last chance at being a head coach i want to be very specific with how we say this this is not to be misconstrued so we're going to say it again this is hugh jackson's last chance to be a head coach now, I will give myself a caveat. It depends on how low he wants to go. And we'll talk about that as we continue forward. But if Hugh Jackson does not succeed at Grambling, he might as well kiss his dream of being a head coach goodbye, at least on the level that he's at in any level above it, at least for right now. Now, there was so much fanfare around Hugh Jackson's hiring, deservedly so. I think that this is a great hire for Grambling. I think this is a, a hire that can really bring in a lot of recruits, and I think can really help Grambling move forward. Mind you, this comes right after a really down season for a lot of Grambling fans. They're used to higher success than they had last year. So with that being the case, there's a little bit of pressure to bounce back because there's a standard at Grambling. Grandfam has a certain standard that you have to uphold. So it's not as if Hugh Jackson's going somewhere that doesn't see success, hasn't seen success in a long time. No, there's many people in the Grambling recent alum alumni base that know what success looks like have seen it with their own eyes and they're looking for Hugh to come in and deliver that if Hugh doesn't this this is it this is his last chance to really be a head coach and now we talk about what Grambling can do from Hugh Jackson coming but I really do not think that we speak on the immense amount of pressure that he should be putting on himself this isn't pressure from Grambling this is pressure that Hugh Jackson should be putting on himself to succeed because he understands that, hey, I don't have the best track record, right? I do not have the best track record if I'm Hugh Jackson when it comes to being a head coach. I think he's shown himself to be a positional coach that can really show. Look at Cincinnati. You had Chad Johnson, USC. You had Carson Palmer. He can coach. I'm not about to disrespect the man's football mind. However, he does not have success as a head coach. Now, if you want to tell me that he was set up for failure, I will accept that because I don't think he was put in the best position to succeed or really given the best of shots at his locations. You know, he went eight and eight with the Raiders fired after a year. OK, now you look at Cleveland. Now, that's probably the greatest detriment to his to his his resume. There's no problem. That is the greatest detriment to his resume. Three wins in three seasons. That's bad. OK, that that's just not it's not good. Even if you want to say he was set up for failure, wasn't put in the same in the, in the proper position to succeed. 
three games in three years is not good. A 0 and 16 year and a 1 and 15 year right next to each other. That's not good. No matter how you want to shake it, no matter what kind of stipulations you want to put around it. Okay. And if you want to say he's not set up for failure, let's excuse it. I'll say that Hugh Jackson has not proven he's a good coach as a head coach yet. He's not proven he could be a successful head coach yet. So you, I don't think that you can really say that. I don't think that you can say that confidently that you've seen him prove it. You can say you believe it. You can see you think you can say you think it's going to happen. That's okay. I think both of those things I will accept you saying. But what you can say is that you have seen him prove to you that he's a good head coach. So there's still a question mark and you need to prove it because regardless of what you think, the, the context around it, your resume is your resume. And we are not going to sit here and act as if it's not going to play a part. We are not going to sit here and act like whatever you think around the Cleveland Browns, Hugh Jackson situation is going to cover up what actually happened on paper with that Cleveland Brown, Hugh Jackson situation. Because I'm telling you right now, if he fails at Grambling, it's going to look like he failed at the pros. And he failed at the FCS level. So now where is he going to go? And a lot of people will tell you that Hugh Jackson came to Grambling because it's an HBCU. And I believe that does play a part. But I also think that there wasn't everybody beating down his door. We have to remember before he came here to Grambling, he was at Tennessee State as an offensive coordinator. He was there on, on Eddie Jackson's first um, coaching staff. Now, that's also an HBCU. So you could use that same rhetoric however he had been out of coaching for about three years leading up to that we have to at least acknowledge that hey there might be not be the 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 best market for Hugh Jackson right now and if he fails at Gremlin which I really hope that he does not do but if he does where else he's gonna go will he be able to go be a position coach at an FBS school will he be able to be a position coach in the pros I mean, he he's shown success there, so it wouldn't be beyond my, you know, realm of possibility. However, that's not being a head coach. He's not going to fail at Grambling and then go be the head coach of San Diego State. That's just not going to happen. So with that being the case, I'm placing the amount of pressure on him. We need to see it. I won't sit here and tell you that he's a bad head coach. I'll tell you that it's still up in the air, but he does not have much time to prove it. See, success does not have to be this year, but it does have to be within his tenure. He does have to succeed at Grambling at some point, even if it's not this season. I'm not saying the first year you come in, you got to do everything. However, in years two, three, four, if you make it that far, you got to put something on paper that other programs can sit there and put their trust in and say, all right, I want him to be the leader of my program. Right now, that's what's on the line for him. We'll see if he can live up to it. Let's see if he can um, take it there. Am I being unfair? I always try to get you guys to, to talk to me. Am I being unfair to Hugh Jackson? I don't believe so. Clearly not. I'm the one who said it. But if you think that the idea that this is Hugh Jackson's last opportunity to be a head coach is a little too drastic, y'all know where to talk to me. At South Exclusives. Y'all know where to talk in the YouTube comments. All right? I want to hear what you guys think about this. Because last time I said something a little critical of Hugh Jackson, it was about the Art Browse, and people started to just start throwing stones at me. So let's see. Hopefully it doesn't, you know, Elicit such a vile reaction this time, and hopefully people can kind of understand where I'm coming from. I'm not predicting him to fail. I'm not trying to call him a bad head coach, but I do think the pressure is on him to prove that he is not the latter, and the, and the pressure is on him to make sure that he does not commit the sin of being a bad coach at Grambling. That could be irreversible for him. 
in a long-term future. Now, going forward, we're going to be talking about a guy who I'm high on. That's Jeremy Musa. Jeremy Musa did everything he needed on Saturday night to prove to me that FAMU is going to be a tough out within the SWAC. They're going to be a tough out, and he is legitimately the truth. I'll talk about him going forward. Before we get into that, however, I want to tell you about Bet Online. Our good friends at Bet Online, the college season is here. You're able to put a lot of money down on the games that you want to put the money down on. This is big because at Bet Online, they're going to tell you, hey, this is what you need to look out for. These are things that's going on with the team. They're going to actually get you information. That's the big part because when you're putting down money, yeah, I can go. I can go put a money down on a snail race, but if I don't know which snail has had a better record, it doesn't really matter. If I don't know what kind of things the snail's been doing, what the snail's been dealing with, it doesn't matter. I'm just out here betting blind, basically. Don't bet blind. Bet online. It's really that simple. Oh, hold on. I might did something right there. Anyway, see, I got to work on just doing it. Listen, bet online because they're going to give you information. They're multiple. They have a multiple, uh, multiple uh, amount of different sports, and they're also the fastest. And the easiest way to wage on your favorite sports, bet online where the game starts. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is jaunty meaning lively in manner or ex or appearance now i want to talk about jeremy musa jeremy musa looked absolutely amazing at north carolina there was a lot of things going on with famu a lot of things that could have overshadowed the performance his performance was so good that in my opinion jeremy musa came out of that game being a bigger story than the players that he was missing now, it's, it's neck and neck, but Jeremy Moose's performance was just that good that what should have been overshadowed by the fact that they missed 20 games, 20 players, that's what should have been the talk of the game. But there was a big talk about, oh, fam, you got a quarterback. And if you believe that, yeah. Now, I was a little bit down. I was a little bit lacking faith in the, in the quarterback battle at FAMU. I'm not really one for quarterback battles that go all the way down to the to the to the end of this in the uh to the beginning of the season that's not me for me i a lot of times i want to see some separation or hear about some separation and if i'm not hearing it and i'm not hearing that everybody's doing good i'm kind of on the fence so i was like you know it's gonna be rashawn mccage it's gonna be what it is you know that's just what i'm saying you just gonna roll with the starter but they picked jeremy moose and i'll be the one to tell you right now they made the right decision they made the right decision being with jeremy moose now when i told you that the outcome of this game on Saturday between FAMU and North Carolina was not one of the top three things I was worried about. I meant it. However, that outcome actually came out pretty good. And I think we should pay attention to it, right? 26, 50, or excuse me, 56, 24, you lost by 32 points. And let's be very clear. This is a game that you probably expected to lose by 30 points. People probably expect you to lose by more than 30 points, but you missed 20 players, including two of your top players. One of them being your best player in Isaiah Land. So when you're looking at all of this, you tell me you lost by probably the amount that people thought you would. This is more than admirable. I love this performance by them. And because the SWAC uh, MEAC challenge started so late because of the incessant uh, rain and weather delays, I was actually able to catch a good amount of the first quarter and some of the second quarter 
of this UNC FAMU game. And Jeremy Musa was the thing that jumped off the screen to me. I wasn't even caring about the defense. Isaiah Land wasn't there. B.J. Bowler wasn't there. I could care less about the defense. But Jeremy Musa, oh, now that's a story. That is a story because when I'm looking at him, the things that he did, the throws that he made, I wrote this in my notes, but I wasn't quite sure if I was going to say it. I, I just kind of put it up there with a little bit of a question mark. Jeremy Musa has jumped himself into the SWAC player of the year conversation. This is only one week. We've only seen one thing. But it'd be, I think it would be irresponsible not to sit here and say, all right, this is a player who is capable of winning the SWAC player of the year. I know it's one performance, and it's really his first start. It's his first start. But let me read to you what Musa did in his first start against the FBS opponent at that 26 or excuse me, 28 of 38, 279 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. I'll be very real with you. That's a stat line that a lot of people will take in, in conference games within the SWAT. I'm not saying it's blowing things out the water, but it's something you'll take 28 of 38, 279 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. The interception was bad. Um, shout out off script, man. I think he did a, a fantastic, I don't know the guy, to be honest with you, but um, I think he did a fantastic job breaking down that interception and how it was very similar to a successful play earlier in the game. So um, I'm not afraid to show folks love on here. If I think you did a great job, I think you did a great job. And I think he did a great down that. So if you have a chance to go check out his Jeremy Musa breakdown, because I was looking for some of the clips to refresh myself real quick on what I had seen, because it truly was amazing. But I wanted to be able to come on here and point out some specifics. And I found his film breakdown and I was able to check some of it out. Really good work. But if Musa played the way he played last year, or excuse me, if Musa played the way he played Saturday night for FAMU last year, which he wasn't on the team, but if he did, there's a legitimate argument that you're looking at FAMU as your SWAC representatives and Celebration Bowl uh, possibly champions because they did beat South Carolina State earlier that year. We got to understand that Jeremy Musa came out and really felt as if FAMU's offense could be a powerhouse. He played that good. Am I putting too much sauce on it? Tell me if I'm putting too much sauce on this. But Jeremy Musa left me thoroughly impressed last night or Saturday night. He genuinely did. When I'm looking at the throws that he was able to make, the poise that he had, his, his ability to attack the second and third level, he wasn't just taking check downs and telling the skill players to go do something with it. And he had a lot of offense alignment out. And he had offense alignment that got hurt during the game. So I don't think I'm putting sauce. When I say SWAT player of the year, it just means that he came out and showed out really well against an FBS opponent. It should not be a stretch by any metric to believe that he can't come out and show out really well on a consistent basis within the SWAC. I'm not going to give the title to him. I'm not Denny Green. If you're going to crown him, then crown him. But I will say this. He is in a conversation now. We got to open that conversation up. It ain't just Shador Sanders. It ain't just Andrew Body. Let's get some more names in here. Heck, I thought D. Davis balled out, you know? So if he's not going to be there, let's put him in a conversation for freshman of the year. Because I did forget he was a redshirt freshman. Let's put him in these conversations. Let's put these guys out here because this is the first time that we were able to see them. And one thing they had in common is that they are both SEC transfers. So maybe that's that experience of being up there had something to do with it. You know, Davis came from Auburn while um, Bandy was the school for Jeremy Musa. Maybe that has something to do with it. That, that being around these bigger programs maybe gave him a little poise within this situation but he showed it and there was one throw in particular and i can point out a couple of them because his his ball placement was great during the game but if there's one play that i really want to point to it has to be that second touchdown to Javante davis and it was a play where all the pressure is in his face 
I think he ended up on his back, if I'm not mistaken. But all the pressure is in his face. He just let it rip. Wide receiver ain't have too much separation. He just let it rip and put it right in the bread basket. I'm talking about a perfect throw. This, this ball was amazing for him to have all that pressure in his face, and he put it right where he needed to. Never broke stride. Never broke stride. Defensive back didn't really feel like he stood a chance. There was enough of a step from the FAMUI receiver for him to put it right there. And that's trust. It was trust. It was a great throw. And it was the type of throw that made you say, hmm, if FAMU's defense doesn't regress, which, I mean, it could, but we, we shouldn't feel like it should, right? I don't think we should bank on them regressing. If they don't regress, we're going to talk about them in a similar way that we talked about Albany State. With Albany State, I said, oh, you come back with a really good defensive unit and a SWAC player or SEAC player of the year candidate? He was the preseason, Deontay Banu was the preseason SEAC player of the year. That's what you're looking at. A really good quarterback with a really good defense, you will forever be a tough out. And they're going to be going up against Jackson State just this week. That's our game of the week. You don't have to worry about it. We're not going to vote on it. We'll start that going forward. But that's our game of the week. If they can get some players back, specifically Isaiah Land and B.J. Bowler, and sounds like Charles McClellan uh, sent a couple of players or sent a couple of officials up there to get FAMU situation in order, thankfully, we should be able to have a really good matchup. I cannot wait to see what Musa looks like in his first SWAT game because he tore the house down in his first game period his first collegiate start 28 to 38 279 yards two touchdowns four scoring drives in just one interception he played a really really good game so this is something that i think cannot be skipped over and should continue to be looked at going forward now we opened up the show with the expectations from a coach we went in the middle or expectations for a coach we went in the middle and we talked about an absolute fantastic showing from a quarterback who made his first start so now let's go ahead and combine two of those things. And let's talk about Damon Wilson, head coach for, for Morgan State, his first time as a head coach on the FCS level. I don't, think there, I don't think there should be a single expectation on this man. And I'll tell you why going forward. As we wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to tell you why Damon Wilson should have absolutely zero expectations on him. Now, I don't feel like we need to rehash what exactly Damon Wilson's resume is, exactly what he's done. But you know what? We have some people who are probably new to the program and they might not understand the amount of respect that I have for Damon Wilson. And when you say there should be no expectations and some of the things I'm about to say, it might seem as if I don't really believe in Wilson. So let's start off with the love. I'm not going to tear it down, but let's start off with the love before what you think could be negative, right? Damon Wilson built up Bowie State into a powerhouse. Damon Wilson came out and honestly made Bowie State one of the best HBCU teams in the nation. People calling them the, the Black National Champions last year. You don't get to do that on a D2 level easily. Mind you, the only reason I didn't give it to him is because I felt like it was an FCS award, not because their resume wasn't worthy. You could legitimately make an argument. They were the most dominant HBCU team, period. You could legitimately make that argument over the course of the season that that, excuse me, that, that is what they were. So that is the type of team that he was able to build at Bowie State. Now he left, and now he's at Morgan State in the MEAC. I'm going to tell you a couple of things that this just is not about. It's not about the quality of coach he is. It's not even about him jumping up from the D2 ranks to the FCS ranks. 
It doesn't have anything to do with that. Because when I'm talking about his, his actual skill, I'm speaking about it in a jaunty manner, right? I'm excited. I'm lively. I love what Damon Wilson has done at Bowie State. Sometimes I don't think it's the best construed here, but I absolutely love what he's built. He built a team that even after his departure was able to still be a top 10 ranked team in the D2. So we have to give him some respect and act like he's a good coach because that's what he's shown himself to be. He has shown himself to be a very good head coach. So it's not about him having to jump up a level. It's not about his ability to coach. It's simply about the fact that he didn't get there until June. The man barely has his actual recruiting class. We don't know what he wants Morgan State to look like. You know, like when we talked about Eddie Robinson, I said Alabama State had to set the tone. They did. But they had to set the tone. Well, with Morgan State, it's kind of hard to set the tone when you don't really know if this is the team that he wants. This might be the team that he has to roll into 2022 with, but that might not be the type of team that he really wants. Let him get a recruiting class. Anything that Morgan State is able to do is a little bit of land yap. Shout out to my guy, Ross Jackson, at Locked On Saints. It's a little bit of extras, a little bit of land yap, right? That's all this is. There should be not a single expectation that they come on and do good things this year as far as be a, a, a top three team in the conference. Let me not say do good things, but have a top three team in the MEAC. They just should not have that expectation placed upon them simply because I know they want to say that the, the cupboard isn't bare. However, you're only coming in with one all MEAC selection. You're not really looking at many players who is like, oh, that guy's a star. You're looking at Javion Maddox like, oh, yeah, he's a good player. He's something that you can build with. I'm looking at Damon Wilson to be able to build. Nothing Damon Wilson does in year one is going to make me say, he might have a couple of questionable coaching decisions that you like, I think he could have done that better. Okay. But ultimately, I don't think that this is his team. I don't even view this as his team. I view this as a team he adopted. That's what I view this as. Anything he does, if he succeeds, oh, well, he did it. Because it's not like he adopted a good team, right? He adopted a team that was really poor last year. So any success he has is not like, oh, man, that's just the other guy's squad. No, 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 no. The other guy didn't prove that he could use these players right. Therefore, any success they have, regardless if it's Coach uh, Wilson's team or not, this is on Coach Wilson. It does great. But if he doesn't have a lot of success, I'm not about to sit here and bash him for it. For what? For what? I'm not about to do that. So with that being the case, I can't wait to watch what he does. I don't expect anything out of him. I don't think he has a lot of star players, and I don't know what Morgan State can be. When I say no expectations, I don't even mean just good. I don't have any expectations bad. This is a completely new head coach who has shown himself to be really adept at developing talent. If he can develop talent within a couple of months, well, Morgan State might be one of those upset candidates, one of those teams where it's like, okay, you took Morgan State lightly, and they end up they end up uh, beating you, and now you can't win the MEAC because Morgan State knocked you off and gave you an upset. That's why I do think they'll be competitive because, hey, that's the type of coach that, Mor that uh, I almost said Morgan Wilson. Well, that's one of the type of coaches that Damon Wilson just is. But I don't know what to expect from them. Therefore, I will have no expectations. It's really that simple. Now, I do have some expectations coming up tomorrow. There's a couple of things I need from you first, though. I need you to tweet to me at South Exclusives. You see it on the bottom. I sent out a tweet right before I recorded this episode. I need you to tweet me and tell me what you think the most underrated game on the FCS HBCU schedule is. So any team in the MEAC or SWAC who, or Tennessee State or North Carolina A&T or Hampton, any of those schools, what is the game that you feel like we're just not talking enough about? 
I'm going to read off the answers on Wednesday's episode. So be on the lookout for that. We'll talk about that. And then also, Tuesday is a big day today. Tuesday is a big day because it is the day that by 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern, you're going to have to cut down your roster by 53. I will be looking to see what HBCU players, what HBCU rookies do make their collegiate teams. Remember, we had a big seven that we will look for and see what they do. They might get cut. They might make the team. They might get cut and hopefully get picked up on the practice squad. We'll talk about all that as we go forward on tomorrow's episode. So stay on the lookout for that. We have a packed day, but I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day today. You know, that's what's coming up tomorrow for your second listen of the day. Make sure you are checking out our conference shows like locked on SEC, locked on ACC, locked on big 12, locked on pac 12. They are doing it big. Make sure you're checking our guys out in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.